All right, so you know, Mike, we all love a good comeback story. For some, just in this last year, we've seen the Vikings come back from a historic halftime deficit against the Colts. Uh, Let's see, after more than five hours on the court, Rafael Nadal mounted a historic comeback in the Australian Open final last January after being down two sets. And I remember my son's favorite soccer team last year, Manchester City, coming back in the very last match. They were, it was like 10 minutes to go. I think they were down two goals and they ended up winning that match. It was crazy. Incredible. Those are all true. But how about coming back from like life challenges, like say being laid off? That's even a bigger deal. Yeah. I mean, for some folks listening, I'm sure everybody knows somebody affected by whether it's tech layoffs right now or even just general layoffs in the past, right? Yes, or even an event that significantly changes your ability to function as you'd expect, something that feels like it sets you back in life, like a car accident, a stroke, or even like a heart attack. Yeah, it could be incredibly difficult to bounce back after something like that, for sure. Well, our guest today has had three strokes the last one leaving her unable to read or speak for several months. I can't even imagine what she would have had to go through with that. Yeah, and, and these events, they inspired her to write her latest book, The Art of Bouncing Back. And the framework that she built was out of her recovery, and she's used this with executives and top athletes for several decades now. That's amazing. So we must be talking about Coach Dar, uh, who I believe is the mental skills coach for the Phoenix Suns, is it? That's right, that's right. And today she's gonna take us through her framework for bouncing back right after we roll these credits. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. And a quick word from our sponsors. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us, go to gigantic.is, that's gigantic.is, and save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today.
Darlene Santore, better known as Coach Dar, is an author, licensed and board certified occupational therapist, sought after motivational speaker, as you mentioned, Phoenix Suns mental skills coach, plus a leadership and mental edge coach to professional athletes, CEOs, and business leaders around the world. That is a pretty intense resume, if I say so myself. I would agree, yes. And so when she set out to write her latest book, she actually intended to write a much different book. Truly, it was a book that started out as talking about how to awaken greatness because my role in life as a therapist and a mental skills coach is helping advising CEOs and athletes to be their greatest version, help them in all aspects mental edge wise. So that was the start of it. And as I was writing this, I literally had my third stroke. So I didn't have just one or two, but, but while I was writing this, I had my third stroke. So it became very hard for me to, I couldn't I lost some of my speech. I definitely couldn't hold on to a pen. It was hard to even read books because I could see the words, but I couldn't read them. And so I say this because it was in the middle of this that everything changed for me. And I thought, well, isn't this interesting? One, because when I started out my career, I started out as an occupational therapist taking care of traumatic brain injury and stroke patients. Had my first stroke when I was on the stroke unit. So I already teed that up, got that experience. Then years later, went back to school for business and then I was running businesses. And I say this because then I had my second stroke while I was running businesses and I was like, what is going on? But it was all from the first stroke because when I had gone to a chiropractor, when they manipulated my neck, they ripped the artery in my brain. So I was left with a blood clot. So I had to bounce back from that. And the book is called The Hour Bouncing Back. My whole first part of my career was helping people overcome the most extreme odds bouncing back. So I want to say this was natural for me, even though I didn't want to have to go through it. I knew how to help people do it. And then I got a taste of my own, own medicine. And then when I started writing this book, then the third stroke came. And so what was going to be about helping people reach greatness turned into the art of bouncing back because that was one chapter of greatness. And then it became a whole book because we were going through the pandemic. We were obviously going through a mental health challenge and that's my world and helping people keep their edge and be mentally well. So this ended up becoming a whole book, but it was never intended to be the whole book. That is fascinating. Three strokes, complete loss of speech and reading. For anybody, I mean, that's incredibly difficult to come back from. Absolutely. And so she didn't even realize that she kind of had this formula for bouncing back, but she had developed it instinctually over even several careers. My publisher and the person who's helped me with the book proposal, they were like, Dar, you have a formula. Everyone you work with, you've helped them bounce back or get better. And there is definitely a difference. And I, they called it the Dar difference. I didn't. I was like, what is that? <laughs> I was like, you, there's a difference. And they're, you know, joking around and they're like, no, really, you do. But you know, when you just, I've been doing this 26 years, helping people all over the world. You just, it's flow state to me. Like when I'm helping with a pro athlete or an executive, like lead something and you get in flow, you just lose time. And that's what my work is like to me. So when I sat to say like, truly, like, what is this formula? It became very clear to me exactly the patterns of how this worked and that's what became the seven the nine principles of the book. Okay, so the art of bouncing back 
what's the secret here? Well, there's actually nine steps that we're going to walk through or we're going to abbreviate through. But listeners, they can actually pick up Dar's book to go deep on each step. Okay, that sounds good. Um, Where should we start? So the first part of it sets up the foundation because let's say, you know, right now, if anyone's listening and they've gone through loss, grieving, heartache, job loss, uh, change in role, something challenging is going on with their family, just tough times. Like, honestly, I could say majority of us, we start to hit our stride and then something hits and we're like, uncle, like, we're good now. (laughs) We're good. But you know, you're leading a business, you start to, you get a little reprieve and then something changes in the economy. It's just where you just start to catch your breath and you might get a hit again. So the the first principle is embrace the suck, the military term. And the reason I start with that is because there's no way in heck I'm going to come alongside someone when something hits, business goes down, you lose someone, you know, you get a health scare, whatever the adversity is, and you just took a punch, I'm gonna come on and be like, you're gonna be just fine tomorrow, let's just shift your mindset. I would punch that person. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Uh, But I say this because I sit with you and I really help you say, okay, I know this is not ideal. This does suck, it's not ideal. Let's see it for what it is. Like, tell me, get it all out. Like, and do this with yourself, like embrace this with yourself Because if we don't embrace what's happening, we can't get clarity to know how to get out of the storm. We're just literally swimming out in the ocean right there. And so what I want to do is get to you, help you get set so then we could start building and swimming out of the storm. So we embrace it, we feel it, we understand it, and we take it for all it is. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Because when we have clarity of it, guess what it doesn't do at that point? It doesn't start to scare us as much doesn't mean the pain's not there doesn't mean that it makes it any better but what it doesn't do is it doesn't scare us as much because when our brain starts to know oh there's other options in this well then we don't start sinking like quicksand because that's why suicide's on the increase mentally people get to a space where they're like there is no hope after this this is so bad that it's like a period it's done and and i'm trying to get to people saying no it's not it's a it's a it's a comma, not a period. Like it's a pause. A comma, not a period. I, I really enjoyed that reframing. It, it's hard to bring yourself to believe this perspective in that moment, but it it is important. I, I know when I felt this way, the feeling of finality can it can be overwhelming. Yeah, it often takes an outside voice to bring it back to this perspective. But I really like how she embraces adversity here. Embrace the suck, right? I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket for sure. (laughs) Yes. Okay. We'll be back with a whole lot more right after a quick break. Okay. We are back and we're talking with Coach Dar about how to bounce back. Now we're on to step two. I get people to understand their hardwiring. So when I'm sitting with someone or I'm working with them, I'll start to go, hold up. I, I know it's hard or I know you think you lost your confidence or you lost your game or you lost your flow or your business. No one, you might've lost all your finances. Things might've, you might've lost your job, but no one took away your skill set. No one took away your giftedness, your knowledge, your education. That's all still with you. They cannot take away your hard wiring. So how you were created, that is really your secret sauce for who you are. If you start 
remembering and tapping back into that, you're building back your emotional foundation. Because when a hit comes, you lose confidence. You start to even forget what your gifts and talents are. You're like, am I even any good for this? All right, I have definitely been there. What I say is going back to hardwiring is, it's in your DNA. Like, you can't change that, you can enhance it. So go back to what is really working for you. Write this down, I take you through a whole process creating your confidence card again. So in sports, we create the scouting card. I help them create their confidence card in business and sports. Because when you have a confidence card you can go back to, you start to get back a little swagger and you're like, I just forgot, I forgot who this was. And I don't say that in a cocky way, but I want you to have confidence to get back. And I say this to people all the time when I get to this point, because people care confidence. Again, I didn't say cocky, but let's talk for a second. You have a heart problem. You go in for surgery. You look at that surgeon, you go, are you the best at what you do? You want to hear yes. You don't want to hear the surgeon going, I mean, I'm okay. What? No. Okay, well, don't operate on me. So why would we, in our skill set, be like, you know, I'm okay. No, be like, I'm working on this every day to be the best version. You could count on me. And it's, when I say I might be good at what I do, I'm not saying it for me. I'm saying it because then I could be of service for you at the highest level. Total mental shift, completely. Wow, I, I've definitely been there and I've definitely needed a confidence card at times. Now I start to say, okay, we just hit some adversity. Principle number three would be seeking and applying feedback. Because in these times of hardship, if we don't seek and then apply feedback, we could be repeating patterns that we shouldn't. We could be stepping back into holes, you know, along the way as we're paving the way that we didn't see. So we want to seek, okay, if it was the business, was there something else we could do? When we go to reset again, could we build the business differently? One more in sports, could we play that play differently? In life, maybe it's someone you chose poorly for a partner. Could we choose a little differently, you know? You start thinking about, you have to start taking in feedback and you have to start asking people around you about that because in the pros, we have to, we play a game and then film is watched literally the next morning. So your peers are critiquing your play so you can, and by the way, actually, we're critiquing in the moment when the play is happening. iPads are being looked at right on the bench. So if you are not open in a growth mindset to seeking and applying feedback in sports, you're not making it. But these are the pros. So I want to translate this to all of us outside and in business is if you wait once a year for a performance review, you're hurting yourself. Because you and you can't get defensive when someone who is in the arena that cares and wants you to be better is giving you feedback. You have to look at it and be like, bring it. But I want people to start seeking it for themselves. Hey, reach out to a couple of your colleagues or friends and say, what's it like being in my presence? You know, when when you're when I'm around, how do you feel? What are the skills that I might bring? Like, do that even if it's quarterly. Just do check-ins. So seeking applying feedback for the adversity that happened, but I want you to expand that to even light so that you can keep thriving because the book is the art of bouncing back, but it's also finding your flow and thriving at work and in life. So Michael, what's it like being in my presence? <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's good. It's, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. That, that's all I get. <laughs> 
I mean, I wasn't really ready for that question, honestly. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. That's all right. Maybe you could think about that and tell me after the show. Uh, I'll, I'll take that at least. Okay. You know what? Let's do that. What, what I like about this, though, is if you don't just spring it on people, you, you can practice this with your close friends, your partners, even colleagues with very little effort if you're willing to listen and learn. All right. that That's a good point. But how do you give this type of feedback, which can be hard to hear at times, uh, you know, without losing your friends? <laughs> yeah. I actually asked Coach Dar something similar. Oh, this is so good. And I have the best answer for it because we have the best coach. One of the best. So Monty Williams is the coach of the Phoenix Suns. He is truly, he, he got coach of the year. He's one of the best coaches. He's humbly confident, but he's holds a lever, level and standard of excellence. So when you come onto the team, the standard is excellence. Here is the way of the Phoenix Suns and here is the level of excellence. Him and James Jones have created the GM. And so I say this because when a play goes down and the player has not handled themselves appropriately, he goes by their side and says, I'm not calling you out, I'm calling you up. Big difference. I'm not calling you out, I'm calling you up. So he says, I know you could do better. I know there's more in you. I know you've played this play better. I know you've had better control of your, you know, effort or attitude. And, and the way you deliver it is a lot in it too. Because if you come at it with a tone and a prosody and an arrogance to someone, of course they're going to get defensive and want to tell you to beep off. And honestly, if you're leading a company, you want the best out of your people, you truly have to know how to deliver feedback in a way that allows people to hear it. And then the receiving person has to really be in a growth mindset to say, let me be open to hearing this and not want to block this. But if you come to it as, honestly, I love you and I care about you. And we're in an environment where we all call each other up. Hey, buddy, like that presentation was good, but I know it's, I know you've got better in you. And I have people around me. I have a board of directors. Like I'm like, give me feedback. And you know, I have someone on my team. She is tough, you know, and she'll say to me, I I got done with the speech once. I was like, what do you think? She goes, it was okay. Cause she knows I've done better, you know? And she's like, yeah, it was okay. And you know what? She was right. It was okay. And so I'm like, damn, well, I don't want to be okay ever in anything. So I'm going to make sure that I make sure it's great, but you have to be in that mindset of it. That's why feedback's so important. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. That's so good. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. We're talking with Coach Dar about how to bounce back from adversity. And the next step is... Then I start giving you information on how to do why power over willpower. And we've all heard about like the why but I'm trying to apply this as this truly becomes, I call like the Iron Man light source. <laughs> like Iron Man had his light right here. It was his source. He was lit from within. Like you don't want to be someone that constantly has to get the fire lit underneath you. Like that's exhausting. And you're not going to get up every day. You know, you have a business to run. We're going through challenges. But if you get up and you're like, you know what? Why am I doing this? And I had an executive that it got down to, we pick core values, we pick one word, and it's like, this is our anthem. This is what we want your 30 for 30 story to be known for. This is the making of who you are. This word, this anthem, this sentence, like create it for you and let it give you fuel. 
So mine's awakening greatness, his is adding value. So he says, Dar, after we did this, he goes, I wanna make sure that when I walk into the office, I added value today. Any meeting I had, I could ask myself, did I add value? When I go home to my wife and I'm in her world, did I add value to her life? When I'm at a community event and someone talks to me, he goes, every day my intention after doing this exercise is very clear. I ask myself, did I add value? Now, listen to this. This has nothing to do with, he is a major C-level executive of a multi-billion dollar company. If that gets taken away, I could tell you today, he would still operate in that zone. So finance, um, job title, kids, no kids, whatever, he's still gonna show up. So that lights him within versus, I'm gonna be the best C-level executive there is. Well, of course, that should be a goal of excellence, but how about a grander view of that? Because now when times get hard, which there were health challenges for him and his wife, he still said, okay, in this situation, can I add value? Can I get up today and do that? Because I, he, it's a servant leadership approach. And when I had my strokes, I'm telling you, there was times where I was like, what am I getting up for? And then I was like, well, Dar, you are not here for you. And today you need, like I got online before COVID, we were all doing this on, co you know, uh, Zooms and all that. But I just would say, okay, I can't necessarily walk out there on stage today and help someone or go help a team or a company, but I could get online and I could awaken greatness in someone. That gave me purpose to get up when I was doing all my own rehab and I could not leave the house. You know, it really, it gave me purpose. Your why power will certainly keep you lit within. Your willpower is going to give up at some point, especially let's just take workouts. Like <laughs> if you're just like, I'm going to will myself to go do a workout, you're probably not going to do it. But after three strokes, I'm like, if I don't keep myself healthy, I, you know, I'm already against the like you get 50 percent more chance of a stroke every time you have one. Well, look at my odds. Not very good. So I got to get at it. And my why leads me. Why power over willpower? I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah. The personal mission statement, not even recovering from anything at the moment, but I could see how these steps would be useful. Totally. It's great to collect these exercises and self-information to have ready for when you actually do need it. And then once we move from that, I start to move people into reframing setbacks. This is so powerful because we all are so negative in our mindset at times when we've hit adversity. The negative thoughts come in or just a bad day or it gets hard and we get stirred up. And you know what I'll say to people? You get 24 hours. Okay. Sometimes you might not get 24 hours. You got to lead a meeting, but you might be in something. I, I get it. Give yourself some grace, but don't stay in it. Don't be hammering yourself. You wouldn't say some of the thoughts to your best friend that you say to you, yourself. So I had a player come off uh, play and he's so upset and he's like, Dar, I suck. I'm terrible. I, I I can't believe this. I'm so out of flow. This is going on too long. I said, hold up. You get about two more minutes of this. I said, we're going to go to what is true and what is false. Like we're reframing right now. And, you know, he's worked with me long enough. He's like, oh, okay. And so I said, um, he goes, did you see the game? I go, oh yeah, the game was bad, but you're not bad. There's the reframe. The game is bad, but you're not bad. This is what we do in life. We start to catastrophize a situation. One thing goes wrong in the company. Is the whole company bad? No, maybe you just missed it. You know, my form, a friend of mine was the former CEO of Pepsi. 390,000 em uh, employees. When he first started as CEO, he had a big mess up. Cost him millions of dollars creating a certain soda that did not fly. And that was his first out of the gate. 
But you know what? Pepsi was gracious to help him fail forward, learn from it, and he came up with the water concept, which all the water that you drink out of Pepsi. So it was a win. But my point was, he didn't go there and go, I'm an awful CEO. I should not be in this role. It was like, hold up. That was a bad mistake. Let me learn from it and reframe it. I still have the skills and the great people around me to do this. So for everyone listening, when something comes, ask yourself when it comes in, is this true or false? So like the player, he's 1% in the whole NHL. He's not bad. The play was bad. Or the quarterback that I had when he has a bad play, I was like, you're not bad. That play was bad. By the way, it's a lot of people on the team for one play. So let's not catastrophize your whole career. And I'm going to say this too. You might have a whole bad year of business. You know, it might, we've all gone through it in ebbs and flows. It's not a bad life. Do not let your mind, again, put a period where it just means a comment. You may have to reset, reroute, restart, reimagine again, but you did not lose your gifts and talents. You still have your knowledge. We still have your confidence card. You know, you understand your why. You just have to reset and reframe it so that you could start again. All right, so we have just two left to cover. Once you do this enough and you're reframing it, you learn how to be gritty. And cultivating grit is the next one, which you can't cultivate grit if you escape every time it gets hard. So I tell people to lean in. That's how we build grittiness. And you could do this on an everyday basis. It doesn't have to be just when things are going like truly bad. You know, the conversation that's hard. Lean into it. Get gritty. A cold plunge. I put myself in a cold plunge in people all the time. I do not want to get in 35 degree water. It's freezing. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. I choose to live in the warm. But why am I doing that? I'm telling you, it's a mental advantage because you start winning on the small things like that and anything that is in life, anything that's challenging. One more rep, one more mile, another lean into the project for another hour or something. You start building this mental endurance watch what happens you want greatness you start separating from the path it, it just is and then when things come you're like okay i could do this and a lot of my friends that are seals you know when we talk a lot I'm like what you've had to endure as a navy seal and they say you know dar it really helped us for life there's a lot of things we saw that we didn't want to see that we have to handle and it's hard but you know the everyday things that happen in the world that would bother us do not bother them they're like are you kidding? You know, so perspective and putting yourself in the hard times allows you to be better, to be grittier, show up better. And guess what happens? You bounce back faster. This whole premise of this book is I can't take away adversity from you, but I could certainly help you build this muscle, this buoyancy, this elasticity that stays taut, that bounces you back, brings you back into flow again. And so if you don't work on this, what happens? You get lax, mentally lax. So all this brings buoyancy, brings you back to center. You stay strong. I mean, we all want to stay that. We want to say, I don't want my muscles being flabby. I want them fit, you know? So that's what we're doing with our mind. That's what we're doing our leadership, our grittiness. And then the last principle is once you've gone through this, you turn the page. You learn how to turn the page. Because if you stay in the past, you cannot drive forward. And the front, the front window is bigger than your rearview mirror for a reason. You look back to glean what you need to, reflect on it to be safe, but you look ahead at the vision of what's ahead. Learn, adapt, and then start looking ahead and drive forward again. Amazing. A huge thanks to Coach Dar for sharing this with us. If you'd like her book, The Art of Bouncing Back, 
it's available wherever you buy books. I got my copy off, off Amazon. And that'll wrap us up for today. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with even more. I'm Michael Saka for Mike Belsito. This is Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.